This is Dr. Holly Lucille's Mindful Medicine. Here's Dr. Holly Lucille. Hi, folks. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with us. I am so happy to have our guest back. Yes, I'm talking about a repeat guest. This is Dr. David Hanscom. He's an MD and he's an orthopedic spine surgeon. But wait, there is more because he got out of that business and he's actually focusing his efforts on bringing effective medical treatments for chronic mental and physical pain back into mainstream medicine. He's going to talk a little bit more about that. The reason I'm so excited to have him back and our subject today is actually around the idea of anxiety and anxiety not actually being a diagnosis because I got to tell you, I know that so many of my patients come in carrying that diagnosis anxiety um, as a chief complaint. So we're going to get into it with this to understand that it's actually a symptom, not a diagnosis. So Dr. Hanscom, thanks so much for coming back. Yeah, thank you very much for having me back. I really enjoyed our interview last time. Yeah, so your book, Back in Control, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain, we talked a lot about chronic pain last time, but you actually mentioned this idea of anxiety, and it really struck a chord with me because I I completely 100% agree with you. And I have to say, your book is probably one of the most powerful, like, self, it's a it's self-help, self-healing um, tools that is out there when it comes to people being in chronic pain because you mentioned effective or i mentioned effective treatments what was your experience as a spine surgeon for the most part when all when it came to these procedures that people undergo often to get out of chronic pain right i mean the problem is you know the definition of chronic pain is that basically it is an embedded memory that becomes connected to more and more life circumstances then the memory can't be erased Basically, you have a neurological problem, and then we're using these structural interventions to solve a neurological problem, and it can't work. And guess what? It actually doesn't work. But I'm writing a new book right now called Do You Really Need Spine Surgery? Take Control of the Surgeon's Advice. And probably at least half, maybe quite a bit more of spine surgery should never be done. And by trying to do structural interventions for a neurological problem, we're actually physically hurting people pretty badly, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, and then we're not stimulating the body to heal or providing any cure either. So we're looking at perhaps right. long-term consequences from a procedure that was actually in place um, to help and probably a procedure that was fairly expensive. Right. All right, so moving on to the topic of today, let's talk about anxiety. But gosh, oh gosh, what a connotated word. What is anxiety? Well, basically every living creature has some type of survival response in order to survive. Humans have a problem that we have language that actually describes that sensation. So basically, when you're threatened, either physical threat or a mental threat, your body secretes stress chemicals to increase your chances of survival. And the sensation created is intended to be so unpleasant that it compels you to take action to avoid it. So we call that anxiety. And basically, when you're full of adrenaline, cortisol, and histamines and other stress chemicals or stress hormones, your body feels anxious, you take evasive action, problem solved, stress chemicals drop, your sensation of anxiety drops. Just like if you're lying on the beach relaxed, you're full of oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, the great drugs that make you feel great, you'll feel relaxed, but you never call relaxed a diagnosis, correct? Right. And so same thing with anxiety, it just simply describes the state of your body's chemistry 
And what's been very powerful is the last, God, this really hit me about eight weeks ago. I've been on this pathway for about five years. But it really hit me about eight, eight weeks ago. I go, wait a second. Anxiety is not a diagnosis. It's just a measure of your levels of stress chemicals. So just visualize a thermometer on the wall that sure. you're feeling anxious or nervous while your stress chemicals are up. The way you decrease anxiety is you decrease the stress chemicals. So, so instead of using the word anxiety, just use the words elevated stress chemicals. But what it does allows you to separate from that reaction as opposed to identifying with it. The key problem that humans have, I call the curse of consciousness, is that thoughts create the same chemical reaction that a physical threat does. The research term for it is called URTs, unpleasant repetitive thoughts. We can't escape them. And what happens, every human being has some level of sustained exposure to stress chemicals because it can't escape our thoughts. And what happens if you try to suppress them, mask them, or suffer with them, none of those work. This unconscious survival reaction of elevated stress chemicals that I'm going to call anxiety is over a million times stronger than the conscious brain. In other words, the unconscious brain processes about 11 to 12 million bits of information per second. The conscious brain processes 40. Uh-huh. So you have this massive survival response. You can't control it with psychological interventions. It just can't happen. So there's a lot going on behind the scenes when it comes to this topic of anxiety. Right. So you mentioned the two scenarios of a stress response or a survival response and those chemicals. Right. And then also the opposite of yeah, being on the beach. So oxytocin and dopamine. What are the stress chemicals then that are associated with the aspect of anxiety? Well, basically, adrenaline is the main one. There's adrenaline and noradrenaline, or basically the words for those are epinephrine and norepinephrine. The other drug is cortisol, which mobilizes your body's glucose stores to get things moving. Another one is the histamines, which changes the immune response. Believe it or not, endorphins are actually a stress chemical. <clears throat> it's hard to dampen it, but nonetheless, endorphins are actually a stress response. And then there's other things like thyroid hormone kicks in, etc. So at the end of the day, when you're on high alert, mostly probably the adrenaline is probably causing those symptoms, plus the autonomic nervous system. I mean, your heart rate increases, you sweat. I mean, there's a whole bodily response to the process. But as far as being sustained, um, my feeling is it probably is the, I uh, see, I think the essence of chronic pain is the mental pain. In other words, the mental pain is a much bigger problem than the physical pain because the sustained levels of stress chemicals, for instance, they double the nerve conduction. The mental input translates into physical symptoms to the chemical reaction. Because now your body is bathed in stress chemicals. Each organ has its own specific response. There's over 30 symptoms of a sustained exposure to stress chemicals. When I went through my chronic pain episode, which lasted for about 15 years, I had extreme anxiety, developed an obsessive compulsive disorder. My ears were ringing. Remember, the adrenaline doubles the neuroconduction. I had migraine headaches because the chemicals dilate and constrict blood vessels. My feet were burning, my back hurt, I couldn't sleep, I, did, I had a major depression. Anyway, I had over 16 of these symptoms at the same time. I had no idea what was going on, but as I learned the tools to decrease my stress chemicals, my symptoms all disappeared. I have none of these symptoms anymore. My ears don't ring anymore. My ears were ringing for 25 solid years. It's a horrible mm. symptom. 
it's gone. All right, so you decrease your body stress hormones. Uh, how can people do that? That is a big question that I want answered and I want view, or, or listeners to understand. Right, I want you to think of it in two categories. One of them is the direct way of doing it, which we sort of all know. There's mindfulness, relaxation, meditation, et cetera. What you're doing, you're just calming down your nervous system, and it works. We all know that mindfulness-based meditation actually is a very effective treatment for chronic pain. So there's this little tool called active meditation where you just you know lean back in your chair for a second and just feel the back of the chair, take a deep breath, and literally for three to five seconds, you put your nervous system's attention on a different sensation. Instead of having racing thoughts be the center of your attention, you simply switch sensory input. It's a very effective way to actually calm down the nervous system. Another way of actually breaking up these circuits is called expressive writing. Simply write down these thoughts and you tear them up. And what you're doing, you can't control your thoughts, but it's a separation process. You tear them up for two reasons. One of them is to write with freedom, positive or negative. But the more important reason is to not analyze them. Because if you analyze them, your attention is on the thoughts, which actually reinforces them. What you're trying to do is simply just let them go, separate, done. The book I wrote, Back in Control, a Surgeon's Dilemma About a Chronic Pain, is a framework. The action plan is actually on my website, backincontrol.com. There's four stages. It starts with expressive writing combined with active meditation. And so those are ways of just calming down the nervous system directly. The other way that's equally or maybe more important is using what's called neuroplasticity. What you're doing, stress isn't the problem. It's a chemical reaction to it. In other words, it's the level of chemicals that are secreted in response to that stimulus that actually makes you feel anxious. What you're learning to do, you're learning to temper the response. So with neuroplasticity, you're actually stimulating, stimulating your brain to change structure the sequence is awareness, separation, then redirecting. What, what you're doing is you become aware of the fact that you're triggered or that you're anxious. You don't want to suppress it. In other words, you can't get rid of anxiety, otherwise you wouldn't survive. But you become aware that you're anxious. You allow yourself to feel it. Then you separate, give yourself a little bit of a space, and then you redirect. Yeah. So with the expressive writing, does it creates an awareness of separation in one move. And the redirection is the act of meditation, which is the basic starting point. The second sort of level of awareness separation reprogramming is forgiveness versus play. With forgiveness, you become aware that you're angry and upset. The forgiveness is a process. It's a journey, not necessarily a one-time response. But as you let go of things from the past, which keep people really agitated, you've now separated. So forgiveness is a more complex way of awareness and separation the reprogramming tool is play. And so there's no better chemical bath that exists than when you're at play. And people with chronic pain get upset because they go, wait a second, I'm in chronic pain, how can I play? Well, the play pathways are in there. They just get buried. We know the human brain actually develops through play and human interaction. It's in there for everybody. Even though in my situation personally, it's, it's quite stunted. I didn't have a great childhood, but it's in there. Sure. So in addition to creating pathways around the old pathways, as you switch to these plate pathways, there's a profound shift in your body's chemistry. So what happens, the metaphor I like to use for neuroplasticity, remember there's a direct way of decreasing the stress chemicals, but again with neuroplasticity, you're decreasing the stress response. It's like learning a new language. If you're going to learn French, you're going to go through the repetitions. Let's say in five years you can now speak French. 
something happened to your brain, correct? New connections, new myelin, whatever it was, something happened to your brain that you can now speak French. You didn't learn French by trying to avoid English. You had to learn this new language. Right. Same thing in chronic pain is that your default language is pain survival. And what you're doing, you have to create a vision of what you want your life to look like, then pursue it, just like you pursue learning French, you're going to pursue this more enjoyable life. But you didn't learn French by trying to fix your English. You're not going to create a new life by trying to fix your old life. You have to create the vision and keep proceeding forward with without your pain. If you try to fix your pain or fix your problems, your attention on the problems that are creating the disturbance in the first place. Right. The hardest part about this project is a couple of things. One of, them is, one of them is you have to allow yourself to feel the pain, feel the anxiety. Yeah. Then you separate. Then you move forward. If you're using these tools to distract yourself, it can't work. It just doesn't work. Well, and I can imagine, um, Dr. Hanscom, that it actually probably really uh, gets worse because, I mean, I, so you have to, number one, as you said, as far as treatment is concerned in these tools, you allow yourself to feel the pain, mental, physically, let's just talk about just pain in general. Then you right. separate and then you redirect. So it's a very conscious process. People have to slow down right. enough because these, you know, as you say, this really is about body chemistry. And then, but these chemicals that create the anxiety symptom are, they're, they're sometimes hard to metabolize. They can kind of stay in our system if we don't have the tools in place. I mean, you think about people that can't right. process histamine very well. You think about um, folks that can't uh, metabolize their, their, uh, those catecholamines. Um, because truly, if we had a much more natural relationship to stress, they would be easily metabolized because we'd be moving away from something like a bear or um, we were trying to protect our crops from the locusts that were coming or it would be, that's kind of what they're made there for, right? For us to just be put in motion to help us get out of danger and to respond to that. And in our modern day, certainly we're not doing a lot of moving. And so these chemicals can actually without effort stay there and create more of a chronic state. Absolutely. The problem is what people don't understand is that we're under chronic stress, in other words, elevated stress hormones, people get sick. I mean, the, the yeah. average mortality, the average lifespan for somebody in chronic pain is seven years less than the average population. There's a huge study out of Sweden over, on over 300,000 people in a registry that links chronic stress with autoimmune disorders. And so it's really clear when your body's in a sustained adverse chemical environment, it's a problem. I mean, you physically get sick. That's why the mental pain is a bigger problem than the physical pain because it translates into physical symptoms. It's a huge problem. The thing that I actually quit my spine practice was because of this, because we have hundreds and hundreds of patients going pain-free with minimal interventions. We're applying structural solutions to a neurological problem. The root cause is the sustained levels of unpleasant, I won't say unpleasant, I mean, they're necessary chemicals to survive but sustained, sustained exposure to these stress chemicals makes people sick. The root cause, the root solution is decreasing the anxiety, is decreasing the stress chemicals, which decreases the anxiety. As the anxiety decreases, what's the fun part for me is that people start to thrive. If you're not fighting off anxiety every day, every minute, all of a sudden life starts to expand dramatically. We also know that the prognosis for anxiety disorders is very poor. 
I had an obsessive compulsive disorder, which we call, I had the internal form. I didn't have external behaviors, but I had thought, counter thought that never stopped. They call it internal OCD. And OCD is one of the ultimate anxiety disorders. So I went from this fearless spine surgeon to having crippling anxiety. I still somehow managed to practice very competently for many, many years, but it was miserable. So how can I go literally within one day, went from a fearless surgeon to crippling anxiety. And what I was, I was a master of suppressing anxiety. I was really, really tough. And what happens, it works until it doesn't. And when the lid blew off, it was really disturbing, really unpleasant, really a problem. But now in retrospect, the only thing that makes any sense. I mean, I was open to counseling. I went to psychotherapy, all sorts of things. I think it just kept getting worse. Mm-hmm. The key issue, if you, keep, if you keep talking about the problem, you're actually reinforcing it. So it's so when I started the expressive writing, learned how to lower my body stress chemicals. I wasn't expecting my symptoms to disappear. I just was trying to survive, for goodness sakes. And I didn't expect my ringing in my ears to stop. I didn't expect the burning in my feet to stop, which had been there for over 20 years also. But I didn't understand what was happening until 2011 when I heard a lecture about how the sustained chemicals affect every organ in your body. And I'm fine. I mean, I, I just, I'm really just fine, including the anxiety. But again, the anxiety disorders are rampant. I mean, it's depression, bipolar, OCD. I think schizophrenia is a manifestation of the anxiety. Obviously, the addictions are an effort to avoid anxiety. Eating disorders are a huge problem. Body image disorders are a huge problem. But if you think about the root cause of all of these things, it's anxiety. Yeah. But we keep treating anxiety psychologically, and you have this huge mismatch between conscious and the unconscious brain. Yeah, and so as you so eloquently put, anxiety is not seen it not as a diagnosis, but actually a symptom. And in practicing right. root cause, more comprehensive medicine, um, and then using these tools that are—I mean, so that are that are very well listed in your book, your current book, Back in Control: um, A Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. But then you are just in the works for a couple more. What you should know about back surgery, a spine surgeon's surprising right. advice. Also, chronic pain in your family getting back in control because it can definitely bleed over where the entire uh, patient actually becomes the family. And then awake at the wound, athletic performance principles in the operating room, um, all of those. I want to ask you, you mentioned uh, um, about OCD, but I want to ask you about DOC. <laughs> what is uh, direct your own care? What's that process? Well, it's just for direct your own care. And basically, the reason why I think this process has major public health issues is because it's very self-directed. So the people who have gotten better um, basically have done it on their own. Between the book that gives you the framework, then the website gives you these different tools to learn. So the book's just a book. In other words, reading the book is not going to change your symptoms, but it's by learning the tools that are outlined in the book and the website that allows you to regulate your body's chemistry. So it's about a 90% self-directed process. I just got an email today from, I get emails every week from people all over the country that just flat out change their lives because of the whole process. I mean, I'll yeah, just tell you one story really quickly. Yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, so I have this I have this young girl, she's in her mid-30s. She's the daughter of a really good friend of mine. She's had crippling anxiety since she was 10 years old. She's had chronic pain pretty diffusely in her body for about 15 years. She has tried everything. She's gone to high-level school. She's a high-level artist. She's a wonderful person. And I started working. She knew about my process about a year ago. But I started coaching her about four months ago. And within six weeks, her anxiety dropped to the floor. 
And about a month ago, she just started to thrive at a level she's never thrived at before. Anxiety dropped, her chronic pain disappeared. She's taking on new projects. She's under more stress now than she's ever been under, but thriving. Remember, stress isn't the problems that come with a reaction to the stress. And she just exploded out of 25 years of chronic pain. And she basically did it on her own. I mean, I gave her some coaching and guidance, and she did a little bit. I mean, some coaching and guidance certainly helps. But once you understand the rules and the concepts, it's just not very hard to do. In fact, that's what's sort of disturbing because we're doing these major expensive risky interventions where the solution is just incredibly clear and simple. So well, let's take the expensive writing for a second. Well, there's over a thousand research papers that document this expressive writing works. A thousand research papers where there's not one research paper in 50 years that documents that back surgery works for back pain. So I was never taught in medical school residency fellowship or my practice that expressive writing was even a tool. And how hard is that? Right. A thousand papers, over a thousand research papers all saying the same thing. Well... I could, we could probably break into a whole nother subject where I'm sure expressive writing doesn't make anybody a whole heck of a lot of money. Nope. <laughs> so nope. one of the reasons that it, uh, even though a thousand research papers are there that it's not well publicized or highlighted right. in our conventional med- medicine um, paradigm. But, you know, I think you also bring up a good point, you know, even with your own story as far as tinnitus. Um, and once again, ears ringing yeah, that can carry a diagnosis. It's a diagnosis of tinnitus, but is it, or is it just a symptom, like you said? And I have always said this throughout my career, that I care very little about diagnoses. And sometimes my patients look mm-hmm. at me like I have six heads, like it's no, it's not that I don't right. care about you. I care about the mechanism behind the diagnosis. I care about right. you know, re- remembering my training as a physician as understanding the body as understanding influencing factors as understanding um, the web-like structure of our endocrine system what affects it what down regulates it what up regulates it that is how we learn more about what's going on a a, a diagnosis with tinnitus you can do an ICD-10 code and submit it for you know super bill purposes or what have you but it doesn't tell right. us anything, and you cured your tinnitus by using these tools, directing your own care. Right, I, and I had no intention of curing my um, tinnitus. I just was trying to calm down my nervous system. I had no idea that symptoms would disappear. I mean, 25 years is a really long time to have ringing in your ears, and it's gone. It's just, it blows me away. And you mentioned I mean, it's that almost adrenaline... surreal. Yeah, I, I, I'm thinking about a patient right now that I'm actually going to write as soon as we get off this podcast because um, I can see in your story uh, the connection to his and his nervous system and adrenaline, as you said, doubles the neuroconduction. Um, right. uh, so it, it makes sense. But okay, so the book, folks, you got to get it. And you know, it is back in control, Surgeon's Roadmap Out of Chronic Pain. But I think Dr. Hanscom does a really good job of saying, listen, you know, chronic pain physically chronic pain mentally, um, it's pain in general and, and it works. The tools are amazing. And then the website, just to help folks out, it's backincontrol.com. There's a couple incredible blogs that you wrote. One is Anxiety Basics. Also, anxiety is a symptom, not a diagnosis. Uh, I would recommend everybody taking a look at backincontrol.com and of course, Back in Control, a surgeon's roadmap out of chronic pain. Um, Dr. Hanscom, I feel like I could talk to you for seven more hours, and so let's just keep it up. I agree. I I love our conversations. Fantastic. 
Well, I appreciate you so much being here and sharing this. And um, I, I think it just, it, you know, I, I, I hate to say it, you know, I was educated as a naturopathic doctor and, you know, pretty much fought my entire career to and still do because uh, to say, you know, what are you? I'm a naturopathic doctor. What's that? Uh, over and over and over again. But dossier means to teach. So I would take that seriously and would teach people about different concepts of medicine. But you being an MD, you being a surgeon, being able from your own experience, from your own story, but also seeing expensive, ineffective uh, procedures being done day in and day out in our conventional medical society, knowing that there is research out on other things that are much more uh, um, effective and also less invasive, like expressive writing. So I just really want to thank you so much. Well, thank you. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to share. I mean, obviously, I had a great story myself. And so I, I wouldn't choose to go through it again. I'll have to admit it was pretty horrible, but I do feel really grateful to be able to actually understand the problem enough to share it. And so I'm, I'm very grateful for that. That's awesome. All right, listeners, once again, backincontrol.com. I think knowledge is power, but self-knowledge is superpower. And so you got a little bit more feathers in your cap from this show. Um, all right, we're going to see you next time. Thank you so much.